Hey listeners, producer Mark here. You may notice some audio quality issues with today's episode as we recorded the interview online rather than in studio. During this time, we have been following government and health guidelines regarding social and physical distancing, and we hope you are keeping safe as well. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy today's episode. How's it going, buddy? Good. I am rolling the audio now because audio files don't take as long as 4K files. You ever do that on set where you start transferring the audio? Uh, or no, sorry, the, yeah. the footage first and the audio guy's like, damn it, now I got to wait. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we're always we're always waiting on uh, we're always waiting on sound. I know. So I can't wait till they, <laughs> so they make video files as fast as sound. <laughs> exactly. That'll be the day. How's it going, buddy? It's do it's going well, man. I'm uh, keeping productive here yeah. in quarantine and isolation. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? Cool. Um, yeah, me as well, dude. I, I've been uh, I've been cooped up with a uh, family of five. Well, well, six including myself. Okay. Wow. Um, so it's been uh, yeah. No, it's been interesting. Uh, it's been it's been great. I'm I'm stuck in the uh, the suburbs. Uh, where's that? So Where, whereabouts? <laughs> Uh, up in up in Vaughan, up in Vaughan uh, near up in Vaughan near uh, Canada's Wonderland. Cool. Well, you were a little yeah. north of that yeah. recently, weren't you? In uh, North Bay, right? Uh, how how yeah, long were you there for? Yeah, that was a few weeks. Uh, we were. That was a few weeks. We were there for for about two weeks, and so um, uh, we filmed. So I produced a feature. We shot it there for a few weeks, and uh, it was some of the coldest weather that I've been in. <laughs> how cold did it <laughs> it's get? Great, but it's crazy. Well, it's, it's crazy. Like the locals in North Bay don't feel it's cold right. because they're used to it. Right. And so when we were going out and we were, you know, uh, getting ready and, and whatnot, um, I would ask one of the locals, I'm like, Oh, how, like, how bad is it outside? They're like, Oh my God, man, it's not, it's not terrible. <laughs> whatever. I'm like, Oh, like, what, what, what are we saying? They're like, Oh, it's like negative 19. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, great. That's bad. Perfect. That's, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Like it's in a, yeah. That's interesting. Cause bad. like when I talk to people in yeah. the U S in the South, I'm like, Oh man, it's five degrees today. It's I'm going out outside for a walk they're like what five degrees that's cold you know it's but for us i guess minus 19 is freezing <laughs> yeah well people just assume right so like in north bay um in north bay it was like we were sort of we were prepped for even colder weather like when i was told like when i was like when filmmakers came in and um you know like i met up with people and i was asking for advice they were all like hey you know it's going to be up to negative 30 negative 40 i'm like are you serious this is not yeah. that's not happening no. you know what i mean that's frostbite weather um, so that's frostbite that's weather. good isolation exactly. weather and that's so, where you stay inside you don't need a virus to keep people in at that point <laughs> Right. <laughs> Why would you even want? To, why would you even want to leave? Well, the the uh, the um, the weather, the cold weather, doesn't doesn't stop until well, at least the snow until about like May. May yeah. So yeah. you got yeah, you got a little bit of a, a little while there. North Bay um, gang, but it was <laughs> hey Sahil. North Bay, yeah. Ricky, yeah, welcome. Sahil. Well, he's yeah. I heard um <laughs> like the quarantine yeah. should be going until June, I think, which isn't bad. I mean, we've already done about a month and a half, and I think most of us now hopefully have adjusted to it in a couple more months, and it's over. Hopefully, anyway. Well, yeah. Well, that was my that was my question as well as how you've been how you've been adjusting to it all because the way the way that I see it is like I you know at least for me like I we were very much in we were very much in this feature for uh, for months and like you know it was it was it was tough and it was challenging and but then coming back and having that like being able to like really relax a little bit was very fulfilling uh and so i was grateful for the break but now i think i'm starting to feel it um starting to feel a little little bit and uh are you going outside at all you're in a house right i i'm in i'm in a house so you can walk Uh, around in in the backyard at least yeah, yeah, I can go out. I'm thankful I have a I have a backyard that I can go out to and and I can I can go out in the front and I can I can take walks and everything and um you know, I'm not like in the city city, so when I'm coming out it's it's generally it's like it's fairly quiet. Uh but they've just started closing the parks yeah. around us. Oh, just so eh? you're kind of yeah, like about 
I would say like they really, really started enforcing it uh, within the last week. Because I would say in the first week or two, like people were still were still going to the parks and were you know getting uh, you know friends, family, and everything, and they were still uh, hanging out there. But now it's been it's been sort of contained. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, they closed parks downtown like a yeah. few weeks ago. Uh, I guess maybe uh-huh. it's just busier, more people down here than in Vaughn. I don't know what's the population in Vaughn. Not three point three million, is it? <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. I think so. the GTA is 3.3 <laughs> million. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Vaughn is, Vaughn is definitely not, not, not that high. Um, but I know that the sort of influx of COVID has been most uh, has been the most within, within York region. Um, so around the area that I live, it's been, it's been the most, but, uh, something I was going to ask you as well is how you were sort of handling all this. Like, I know you're, you're very active in the filmmaking community and I'm, and I'm curious to know, uh, I'm curious to know what, what's been your day to day. Does like a schedule magic help you? Magic. Magic. <laughs> it's been more of my, uh, just doing magic it's been, tricks. It's every been day. part of yeah. my, my routine. Yeah. Things have changed for everybody. Uh, we have to adjust, uh, we have to adapt. Otherwise we get into a slump or we just kind of not do anything and you know, nothing's wrong. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I'm an active person. I like to be productive. So when this all happened, I had a good two week slump and it was just like sleeping in, didn't really care to wake up, just lounged around all day. And then after that, like something triggered and I haven't been this productive in so long. I'm doing a lot more learning. Um, I'm learning about the market. I'm learning more card tricks just to entertain and and I am uh, shooting a film with Oga tomorrow, actually. Uh, there's Leva Music. Hello, Oga. Oh, amazing. We're uh, shooting a film via laptop, so it's going to be through Zoom. Uh, and it's a, oh, and it's basically a video chat call um, in current times, and then it kind of takes a turn. Uh, it's going to be under 10 minutes, and it's just a way for us to create still. I can be here. I'm going to be on the Zoom call with them kind of directing, but mostly it's improvised, so they're going to be just two actors acting for 10 minutes and we're going to do multiple takes and the concept is like through video chat so we don't need professional gear or anything so it should pass i don't know if you've seen any movies where like the whole film was done on a computer there's a there's yeah. been a few horror I, films well, the first yeah the first one the first one i saw that um uh was sort of transfixing in a way because it was like they were it was unfriended you've seen unfriended mm-hmm. um, that's the one i'm referring to all on Oh, okay, perfect. It was all on the webcams and they there was just this like malevolent sort of force between all of these webcams and you weren't sure about sort of where it was coming from and 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 who had it. And then all of a sudden these webcams start shutting down, people, you know, spoiler alert, start getting killed. And I, I thought that was so cool. And and regardless of, you know, how strong the content was, I think that it was still important to um sort of recognize the talent and yeah. the sort of the agility between moving between different cameras, cameras and webcams like that. Um, You know, I know uh, like modern family a few years ago, did an episode that was shot all on iPhone. Oh yeah. And they had like, it was just, you remember it was like all on Skype calls. And I thought that was, uh, I thought that was very effective and, and you know, you're, it's sort of allowing the audience to infer and, and, uh, become participatory yeah. rather than simply yeah. a viewer and, and they're choosing what screens they want to look at. And, and more often than not, you could rewatch that same film or that same piece and have a completely different outlook because you weren't looking on, you know, on Adam's webcam top, right. You were looking at Rachel's top right, left. Right. It's true. Um, it's true. So That's, you know, I think we're going to yeah. have a lot more of that kind of style of filmmaking. People are going to want to create and, you know, we're forced to kind of do something like that where we can't get together physically, but we can connect through, you know, the power of technology and, and create some stuff that way. So searching. Thanks, Jeff. I'll check that out. Searching. Oh yes, yes, that came out uh, with um, uh, with John Cho. I think Jeff will, Jeff John will confirm. He knows a lot of movies and actors. Jeff will confirm. <laughs> oh, Jeff, yeah. Oh no, I love Jeff. Jeff's a movie Jeff is buff. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, I met He's him on set, too. dude. He was in one of my ads for a startup company like two or three years ago. Um, yeah, and, yeah. So you've worked with him too. That's Have you worked with Jeff? I yes. Yeah, so he uh, every uh, yes he confirmed John Cho. There we go. See Sahil Sahil was the uh, uh, production coordinator on on uh, Peter and the Rabbit. Oh, wicked. Yeah, North we'll talk Bay. about that once everyone's here. Uh, once we get going, I want to. I definitely have some questions for you about like your background and whatnot, so people get to know you. Um, Excellent. So, yeah, but uh, but searching no searching was great. Uh, Jeff uh, Jeff has come out as uh, background talent on almost nice. all of the short films that I've directed. He's 
fantastic. Yeah. It's like we put out an Indiegogo campaign. He's one of the first to donate, and if not donate, then he nice. uh, then he shows up on on set. It's wow, fantastic. good supporter. And, Thanks, Jeff. You no, know, he's a great energy. Thank That's you. Dope. <laughs> All right, we got we got some people here. Um, Eric, I wanted to uh, kind of get into it with you and kind of ask like how you. So you're a producer, director, writer, or do you go by director? What's like your mm-hmm. the title that you like to go by? Uh, preferably, I mean, director, uh, I generally write a lot of the things that I, that I direct. That's nice. Um, but if not that, yeah, thank you. Uh, but I also do produce, um, I sort of have a little foray in, in, in all three of those roles. Um, but, uh, yeah, it certainly is a challenge sort of moving between all three. Uh, but I'd like to stay grounded in nice. directing. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so for me, when people ask like, when did you, like, what made you get into this? I always say it's, it's been in my blood since I was a kid. It's just kind of something that I've loved and knew that I wanted to do my whole life. Is that kind of like the answer you would give or like what made you want to start in film? Did you start being a director? Did you start as someone else? Did you merge into a director or did you know right away that this is kind of where you wanted to be um i i sort of i it's a it's a funny story because i i started off acting um i started off acting and so i was i was always behind the camera and sort of you know memorizing lines and getting into all sorts of characters i went to uh in high school i was in i majored i majored in drama and so i was like you know moving into acting and then sort of uh, realizing that like opportunities weren't always going to be given to you. And I was sort of like, I became not obsessed, but I became interested in, in sort of creating my own opportunities. I'm like, what's the best way to, what's the best way to do that? I've always loved movies and, uh, sort of this like, uh, moment in a high school happened that sort of served as like the pinnacle of, uh, my creative sort of conflicts here. And, uh, I sort of used that as a catharsis to, to start writing. Uh, and I realized that being in front of the cameras, uh, is not necessarily not what I wanted to do, but it's in order for me to tell the story properly, I had to step back behind the camera and, uh, you know, move forward from there. That's great. You were able to experience being an actor first because don't actors and directors kind of go hand in hand, you know, and now you can maybe communicate with them a bit more. Um, when I was starting out, I was doing many roles, you know, I was editing, shooting, I love sound mixing. Right. And I think all of that came into play when I now love to direct. It's like, I know how to communicate with the sound guy. Cause I was doing the sound. I know how to communicate with the video guy. Cause I started out filming. Right. So it makes those relationships kind of easier. So it's good to kind of explore. I always like tell other directors or anyone else, like it's, it's great to explore in different areas, even like wardrobe. Like I don't want to be a wardrobe artist, but I don't mind studying it for an hour, you know, or if I'm working on a film, I'll study wardrobe on that movie. And then I can kind of, you know, collaborate and work better with my wardrobe stylist. So I think that's, uh, that's exactly all great. Yeah. We were, uh, uh, so on my, uh, on our podcast, we, we were just speaking with pocket film school. Uh, and so we were sort of talking about as, as creators, you become leaders in the sense that you become a lot more versatile when you're understanding all kinds of different departments. And although I'm not going to become, you know, a gaffer, uh, or I'm not going to become a production designer, um, you know, I'm understanding what it means to, to light a scene. I understand what it means to sort of like, at least like the bare bones, right? Because I think, I don't, I I think it's more difficult for someone to become a director or become a leader, uh, when you're not, when you're not completely understanding of how all of the departments work in that sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Love it. I love it. I remember like when I was on set way back in the day, I would, there was all these terms being thrown out on set and I had no idea what they were. And, you know, like I didn't need to know them, but it would have been helpful, but it's like mostly like lighting gear, lighting equipment, like gaffing, uh, like silk, uh, four foot bank, you know, all these like lighting terms. And over the years I understood them more, but you know, it's just, it's, it's good to know them. Uh, so then you can kind of like speak their language on set as opposed to just being like, yeah. okay, like, well, that's, yeah. Well, that's, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's funny and, and, and interesting because I've definitely, I don't know about you, but I've, 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 I've taken jobs where I've gripped nice. uh, <laughs> and, or like I was like an electric and I was sort of, you know, I would admit to people, I was like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not the most, uh, you know, uh, savvy. Right. You have uh, experience electric, on set, but, I would learn. but maybe not doing that role. 
Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yes. And so I would be doing it and they would be teaching me things and, and it's, and it's good. It's interesting. It's, it's great to sort of step back, but as well, I think when I was, uh, starting out, I tried taking every excuse to go on set, you know? And so if going on set meant that I was going to fill in for an electric and I was going to work like an overnight, uh, shoot for 12 hours and like that's the way it, it is. also meant you might be a little, a little bit of a liar right because you got to get your way in those jobs and be like yeah i have experience <laughs> well, in that <laughs> I, well, well yeah of course well like when i was applying and they'd be like oh do you have any electric experience and i was like totally absolutely yeah, yeah. I've, I've, you know what I and mean? you're on like, google just like uh, looking it up on youtube and everything <laughs> okay i gotta be ready in six hours for this what is this i said exactly yeah. i set up a light for my high school film that's that should be enough no. yeah <laughs> yeah well all of that has led to who you are to Today, so that's great. And um, it took me a while to kind of find my voice in filmmaking. And I still kind of sometimes ponder, what is it that I should be doing? Uh, I spent a lot of time doing mental health. And now I'm kind of merging more into comedy. And I think the reason why I didn't do comedy was because everyone said it's hard. But um, that kind of maybe scared, you know, I had a bit of fear there. And now I don't have that fear anymore. And I can freely and really welcome in comedy into my genre. So I, I really want to be working in that more. And so my question for you is, have you found your voice yet? Um, and or are you still kind of looking for it? And what I mean by your voice is like, you know, your style and who you kind of want to brand yourself as, you know, kind of like you see a Tarantino film and you're like, that's a Tarantino movie. Is that what you want for yourself? Or do you want to be versatile and work on many yeah, other things I think as it's well? A, I, think it's, I think it's a combination of both because I think it's a matter of sort of understanding the stories at, at the, the heart of the stories that you want to tell. Uh, like I can watch, you know, a story set in the medieval times or watch like a Lord of the Rings esque sort of world and understand like, okay, I don't, I know I don't want to like, it's not that I don't, but I, I would do better in different types of stories rather than these, you know? Um, I think as a director, I'm very open to taking, uh, stories of all kinds. Um, but I truly believe that I am someone who, uh, at least in the interim, at least in right now, I tell stories uh, deeply rooted in toxic masculinity and male to male abuse and sort of uncovering a lot of those uncomfortable conversations. Uh, and, and including of that also coming of age and, and romance and all that and really exploring sort of like the nitty gritty of uh, teenage angst, you know, love and fear and, and wonder. And, and, and so I guess where I'm going with this is like, I definitely am open to all kinds of genres, but I think, and this could go for anyone really, it's like, no matter what you're exploring, I think it's important for uh, a director to be deeply rooted in his or her uh, primal instincts, you know? So when I watch like a Tarantino film and I, you know, I, I, I look at, I don't know, like I, I recently watched, um, Oh my God, it's slipping my mind now. I watched one of his earlier, one of his, one of his first, one of his Four first rooms. films. Is that him? Not Pulp Fiction, like before then? Before Pulp Fiction. Uh, oh my God, was, it's, it's going to come to me. Um, it was him. That, but yeah. I watched one of his... I watched one of his earlier works and I really appreciated the way that he could construct dialogue between groups of people. Mm-hmm. You know, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, Reservoir okay. Dogs. Yep. Okay, so there are those scenes in the diner, you know, and how he's moving between like six or seven different characters simultaneously. Yeah, he's master that. at that, isn't I he? I love ensemble. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Or I, I recently watched uh, Francis Ha. Um, that's something I've been doing during the quarantine as well as I've been watching uh, a lot of like classical, nice. classic movies, I guess. Nice. And so I, I looked at uh, Noah Baumbach's uh, uh, Francis Ha. And there's a scene in that where uh, Greta Gerwig and Adam Driver – uh, and two of their friends are sort of sitting around uh, a kitchen table and they're just all sort of arguing. And if you rewatch that scene, you see Driver talking to Gerwig, who then Gerwig looks at the person across from her, Driver looks at the person across from him, and then they swap. And that's something that I feel like a lot of films, uh, like there are films that try to do that don't do it as well. Um, but I can appreciate that. And although something like Reservoir Dogs, you know, very gangster isn't necessarily my kind of genre, um, I can definitely, I love the film, but I can definitely appreciate the way in which he orchestrates dialogue and, and the way that Nora Baumbach, uh, you know, does that as well. Or, um, recently Greta Gerwig, just on the topic of Greta Gerwig, um, she made, uh, Little Women. 
And so there's that scene, like those scenes in the house between all three, four of those, uh, of those women are fantastic in the way that they're able to like discuss different topics and lose topics and come back. And, um, yeah. So I sort of like that, that sort of angsty kind of style, yeah. you know, yeah, that's great. And you know, you can, you can see what their, their strengths are. Would you say, um, for, for yourself, do you know what your strengths are and do you have weaknesses that you're trying to work on? Or are you just focusing on your strengths as telling, uh, as you tell stories? Yeah, I think it's well. I think it's important to to, to think about both strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, I would say a part of my strengths is I've been called an actor's director, and so I will sort of <clears throat> working with actors is sort of the biggest thing that I I, well, I wouldn't say care about, but working with actors is one of those uh, very special things that I that I am so grateful to do on every shoot. Um, most recently, I filmed a small short. Um, it was called Call Girl. And so we filmed it at the end of January before this quarantine and all that. And we had two days uh, in a location, five hours on each day. And I had two actors. We had a few background as well, uh, Jeffrey being one of them. And so I was tasked or our team was really challenged with working with these two actors, ensuring that their relationship is very, uh, is very clear and cutthroat and, and, you know, is very clear and well thought out and everything. And so in a way to work with these actors, I sort of in rehearsal, I had them reading the script out, just like not even worrying about like whether or not the lines were memorized, just kind of walking around in circles around this bar, right? Before we shot walking around, saying their lines, reading the action lines of the script and just sort of like shouting them and then saying them in a whisper and then saying them in like a normal tone, saying them in like their favorite accent, you know? And so getting, being able to like work with these actors and have them sort of like, you know, play off of one another is one of my favorite things. But I think that being said, one of my weaknesses is certainly within the stuff that I write <clears throat> and within my films, sometimes there is too much of that pushback. There's too much of that dialogue. And I'm someone who always likes to tell very elongated uh, stories. And so I'll just like come on and I'll be like, you know, telling everybody every little detail about everything I'm doing. And then we'll step back and we'll be like, Hey, you know what? We could probably cut out 25% of that, right. um, of that story and keep it a lot more, uh, concise. Right. So that's something that I've been trying to work through in, cool. in my writing and in directing, cool. you know? Cool. And when you're in that bar with them and they're shouting, they're whispering, is that, is that for you to see what's working and what's not working? Or is that to loosen them up? Is that to kind of have everyone feel good? Like for myself and for everyone here, like why, um, as a director, why get them to change their tone and their voice or maybe change the lines? Um, th there could be a, a different answer from every director, but I'd like to hear it from you. Yeah. Um, well, I would say both. I would say the idea is to loosen them up because you want to get them, uh, especially if they don't know each other going into the process, you really want to have them, uh, you want to have them getting to know each other. You want them as comfortable as possible. Um, that is call girl is a working title. Uh, but call girl is very much about two people, uh, deeply rooted in a specific relationship and, and, and deeply rooted in, in love. Um, but at the same time, they have, uh, they both have this like different idea of what love is. And so when I'm working with them, it's, it's very important that their chemistry is spot on. Um, and John Glendon, someone who I work with, uh, he shot the film, but we very much worked together to try to ensure that these two actors uh, at, were, were not only believable uh, looks wise, but most importantly, as a couple, as somebody who can like sit in front of each other at a dinner, have an argument and then be okay after that. You know what I mean? Like, um, I feel like in, in, in working with actors, I always try to, um, I, I always want to try to indulge in those uh, sort of uncomfortable moments. Um, and so that's to loosen them up. That's to gain their chemistry. Um, but it's also as practice because yeah, yeah. I feel like I remember, I remember as when I was acting very briefly and I, I would do these like improv. Have you done improv before? Uh, not professionally on stage, but I've done it countless times with, you know, friends and small like acting groups for sure. 
Yeah, amazing. So I so I had the fortune of doing it a few times professionally, like sort of performing in front of an audience. Um, but also doing it just in class is crazy because your your mind is going a mile a minute, and you'll and you'll be surprised. And I'm sure you've noticed this where you're discussing something you don't know, and you like hit that wall. But then someone else will suggest something that you do connect with, and, it just, and then you're just just goes. Yeah, the mind. It's all. That's it's it. so powerful. It's yeah. so cool. Absolutely. And so that's, that's very much my sort of idea is like working with that, these actors to build their chemistry while also, um, while also loosening them up and, and, and it's a great exercises and, and, and they even came back to me afterwards, uh, Janine and Amidio, and they talked about how doing that was very much a, an exercise, not only for the script, but for themselves, they were able to take notes from that and, and feel more confident in their own performances. Yep. Right. Yep. I'm just taking notes cause I have questions yeah. and I don't want to forget them. <laughs> um, oh, great. Yeah. No worries. Um, I mean, well, just a question, a question for you yeah, yeah. very, very quickly is like when you're working with actors in your films, cause I know that you've made, uh, you've also made films with very sensitive topics. Um, and like, like unmasking, for example, is great because you're able to really like, <clears throat> it's really like a caricature. Uh, it's, it's a character portrait. Right. And so like when you're working with actors on films like that, like what, what, what's your, process like i love to hire people and just let them do their magic you know that goes for crew and talent um for for instance there was a scene on unmasking uh, oga if you're still here give me a wave um her and uh, the, the male actor tj uh for the final scene of the film they wanted to kind of go off script so oga came up and said hey can we try something and i i love having um actors have having that freedom i don't like to say like no we're sticking to script uh, I love to see what they have to show. And I also do want to grab the scripts for sure, the scripts portion. But um, I love to give them that flexibility and freedom because I know they're talented and I just want to see what they can come up with in this scene. And uh, I think we actually ended up using the take that they came up to me and said, hey, can we try something? And I, and, I, and I agreed. So I feel like a lot for me, it's like, you know, hiring them, hiring the right person for the film. They have the talent, they have the look. And then just kind of like working with them closely and giving them that freedom to like try new things. Because like, when they try something new, it could be awful or it could be incredible. And if you have the time to do it, if you're ahead of schedule or if you're even if you're on schedule and you have a few more minutes or a few more takes to try it, I say, why not for me? You know, and I've worked on non-union shoots, so it might be easier for me. But um, I, I also like to do uh, a little bit of um, rehearsals, but not too much because I also don't want to like take too much of it when it's off camera. I kind of want to have them exposed on camera instead of, you know, I, I heard there were some directors that didn't like to rehearse at all. And they just want to have everything come out on set while the cameras are rolling. And, and I think that's cool too, but I kind of like to mix and match a little bit of both. Um, I used to be a really technical director. So I really only focused on like looks, you know, David Fincher was an inspiration with my first few films. And so I just wanted my films to look really pretty and sexy. And I completely forgot about storyline and actors. So as I evolved and years later, I, I started to learn that it's definitely a balance of both. And then I started to focus just on the storytelling capabilities, like uh, talent and, and screenwriting. And then everything else kind of fell apart a little bit of the visuals. So now it's like, you know, juggling them both, balancing them both so that everything kind of happens. But like I said at the beginning, I just love working with great people, letting them do their thing. And then I just step in when I feel like it's either drifting away from my vision so I could kind of bring them back onto it. Or if they're doing something new and I like it, then I'll, you know, I'll address that to them and say, Hey, like, let's keep this up. I really, I really like that. Yeah. And I think it's important. Well, that, that sort of that feedback for actors is very important as well, because a lot of the times, um, actors will feel, and I've been told this by actors before where it's like, they'll feel partially insecure if they don't, if they're, they aren't receiving feedback. If you're just like going on a take, they're doing their thing and then you don't say anything to them. And it's like, well, was that good? Was that bad? Could I improve? Could I, could I, do, do you like the way I say this line? So I think having that feedback with actors is always important. And like, you know, I'm a big fan of allowing them to do their thing. Like I was speaking to a friend, uh, to a friend last night and she was like, you know, what kind of a, what kind of a writer director are you? Do you allow actors to sort of infer an improv? I'm like, absolutely. If I, if I gave you the script, you know, with, you know, uh, um, with obviously unnecessary changes, but if I gave you a script and you said, Eric, you know what? And this has happened to me before where actors have looked at a scene and they've said, you know what? I don't think I would actually say this in real life. I don't think like, this is the way I think it would go. Like in uh, a film that I directed cold hands, um, there was a scene, which is arguably one of the more, uh, sort of like, 
uncomfortable uncomfortable scenes is like one of the one of the characters is uh is uh assaulted and there's four friends sitting around a bonfire and so they're all just sitting there and i was you know presenting them with the scene and it was very like sort of like interesting process but then one of them comes up to me and he's like eric you know what I don't really think he would say this to me. Why don't we work it so that way I respond in this way? She stays silent and that's the tension that's brought up. And I was like, excellent. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I'm, and I'm so happy to work with people that can collaborate on that sort of level as well. Yeah. It's big when directors don't have that big ego where they're like, no, we're doing it my way. No, you, you listened and you thought it was a good idea. And you don't have to, you know, you can say, um, you don't have to like, obviously it sounded like you liked that idea. And so you can roll with it, but yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. we have to step up to the plate and say, I'm sorry. Like we're, 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 you know, we can try it or let's try and find a compromise here. But sometimes you have to, you know, be a boss and say like, I don't think that's going to work here. But if the actor, if the actor is coming to you and say, and they, they might fumble on that lines a few takes. And that's when maybe you go in and say, Hey, that line's not working for you. Is it? And they're like, no, I just, I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm, yeah. my character's not feeling it. And you can tell, and you can oh, tell yeah. too. It's an instinct. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're on set and actors saying it and you're like, they're, they're not resonating with it. And sometimes they're afraid to speak up sometimes, you know, with all due respect to actors, but they, you know, they're saying something and they're saying it because it's written, but sometimes, you know, not even actors, but anybody really is reading something is experiencing something. And they're afraid to actually say they don't resonate with it. They don't like it. And I'm advocating for honesty. I'm advocating for that dialogue to have on and offset, um, because that's going to make a better product at the end of the day. Right. No, for sure. Um, something I wanted yeah. to bring up before you were saying in the bar, bringing everyone together, making them feel comfortable. Yes. There was a scene that really needed tension between two characters. Maybe it was a very uncomfortable scene for them. Maybe it was awkward, embarrassing. Um, would you have those two characters in the room getting to know each other or would you try something different? Maybe separating them, maybe not having them meet until the day of. Is there something that you do as a, as a, a technical or like a, a creative way to have that realism on set, make it really raw for that embarrassing moment or awkwardness, you know, how do they prep for that? Is that, is that their job to prep or is that something you would help them with? Um, I think it's, I think it goes half and half because I think it's just as much the actor's responsibility as much as it is the director's. And I think that if you're, you're bringing actors together to essentially step into the shoes of someone they aren't normally, uh, they, they aren't normally, um, accustomed to being, I think it's just as much your responsibility to ensure that they're, uh, prepared in a way. Like I love being able to give an actor a script, allowing them to do their own prep work, their own research. Um, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be the one to like sit there and be like, this is what you're feeling. And this is what you're thinking. And this is your motivation. It's like, no, allow an actor to read that script and really understand where they could be coming from and, and what places they're comfortable going to, because you may have written something that, like we said before, they don't resonate with as much. And so I feel like, I don't think I would ever, unless the circumstance called for it, I don't think I would not have two actors meet each other beforehand. Um, I've seen it done once and it was just a little bit, it, it, there, it was a little bit, there was a little, it was a little, not even tense, but it was sort of, and it wasn't one on one of my projects. I had no sort of creative control. It's just something I, I witnessed. Um, but it was just different. It was like, it was a lot more work to do on the day. Uh, but that being said in cold hands, uh, one of our actors, she plays, uh, the main kid's mom. And, uh, so cold hands, if, if for those who don't know, is, um, a boy, uh, sort of, uh, well, I guess I said it already. He gets assaulted and it's sort of like this one, um, this one assault and all of the reactions surrounding that. And so the character of the mom was quite important to cast, uh, in that film, but she wasn't available for any rehearsals or anything, the table read, nothing before we actually shot. So what was originally raised as a bit of a concern actually became, uh, actually became very advantageous because she wasn't available in the rehearsals, but she did her prep work each day. We were always in constant communication. When she arrived on set first take, she killed it. So it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of process and like, you know, per film and per project, what, what works best. And she was involved in that process you know? as opposed to, you know, not being there. Yeah. And, and you said she nailed yeah, it on her she first day. She was involved. 
Oh, nailed it. I started crying. Nice. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if anybody else did, but I would. Um, but she, yeah, she wasn't available in person. Uh, like, but she, like, I was chatting with her very regularly uh, before then. And she assured me that she had everything together. And long and behold, she, she did. Nice. I have uh, many questions to go back, but I think we have about a half an hour left before Instagram will just close down on this. I think it's an hour max, right? Oh. We could always restart to close up if we have to, but I'll move on to the next one. And that's, um, did you ever, or, or do you still today have a mentor in this? Did you have someone in the family? Did you get a lucky break where a producer or a director wanted to help you along the way years ago? Um, is this something you're, you're mm. looking for daily? I think it's important for all of us in any career in any career, um, to have a mentor. I think it's a great idea. Someone to kind of call or message once a month or once a week, whatever schedule you work out on. Um, is that something you have, have had or are looking for? I'm always, yes. The answer is the short answer is yes. But I also think that it is just, I, I, I learned a piece of, uh, really great advice recently that even people with some of the greatest mentors aren't confident in their abilities, you know? And I think that, no, they're not. Like they can have some great mentors and have gotten some great advice. But ultimately, if you are not comfortable in your own skin, if you're not comfortable in your own work and understanding, you know, like not even what your purpose is, but sort of where your intentions are, there's nothing, I, I feel like there's nothing a mentor can teach you that'll get you out of that. It is, it, I feel like it is every one of our, that's the inner work. Exactly. Like once you've done that inner work and you sort of, you understand the place that you're in, even if that's not like, and some people disregard understanding, like doing their inner work by thinking that they have an end goal. Right. Like me, like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't know what I'm doing next week. I know what I'm doing today. I know the prep work, like my inner prep work that I've done today, you know? Um, but I think once you've sort of consolidated that and, 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 and come to, uh, a realization about what you as a person are trying to achieve, then you can look to someone else for a piece of right. advice. And I think sort of growing up and, 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 and really understanding, uh, trying to understand this industry and making the best of it. I always grew up thinking that I needed somebody to like be there by my side and be on my right hand shoulder, or, like left hand shoulder and, and really just like, you know, tell me what I'm supposed to do and tell me how, like what sort of creative directions, you know, like I remember I was learning from, um, this one, this one woman, she, you know, she was a producer and all that. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to bring you out on this set. I'm going to do this. We're, we're going to work on this together. And then she ended up leaving the business completely. So it's like, you can, you can never really rely on any one person to get you through something at the same time though. I do know, uh, a great deal of people who have come at different stages of my life and sort of like introduced me to different things. Like, uh, you know, uh, most recently I worked on a feature, uh, you know, November, December, uh, shout out to film coop and Emily Andrews. Um, but she very much mentored me and very much sort of like, you know, prepped me for the work that I'd be doing on my feature in, uh, March so, last so month. a lot of timing came into play then it was all the right timing for you. Exactly. Well, it was, it's timing, but it, yeah, it's, well, it's timing, but I think it's also, it's also the opportunities that you seek and the opportunities that you create and that's on for you. yourself. That's I, on I, you to do that. Not I, a very much so. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very much so. And I think I've never, I've never been sort of in that opportunity where I could like, I just have, ha, I've just have, um, I've never had anything just given to me. You know what I mean? Like aside from the incredible support, uh, that my family does give and, and, and those I live with, I've, um, I've never sort of had those sort of like opportunities for, um, for growth given by other people. Like I have been able to sort of do that on my own and have my own sort of like inner work. Does that make sense? Yep. Totally. I, yeah. I love it. I, I, yeah. I can agree. Like, yeah, a mentor can't, they can guide you. They can provide you with links and resources and maybe some contacts. But at the end of the day, if you're blocked, if you're stuck, if you're, if you're working on yourself, the mentor can maybe offer some things for you to do, but you have to listen and you have to do the inner work yourself in order to grow. So I Absolutely. love that. Absolutely. And, and I really, you know, and I'm so fortunate to have been able to work with such uh, incredible filmmakers and incredible artists. And, you know, aside from Emily, like 
um, you know, growing up, like my, uh, my mentor was really my mother and being able to get me through like, nice. uh, that hardship that I was experiencing within high school and, and not everyone sort of grows up with that kind of support, mm, you know yeah. what I mean? Like not everyone is able to grow up with that. And so I'm, I, I admit that I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that once you sort of manifest what you want and the opportunities you want to seek, um, that's when they'll start. That's when, coming, that's when they come you know? and you have to really say yes to them. <laughs> I, 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 I manifest well. all the time <laughs> and I see opportunities coming my way and I say, I, I got to take this. Like I literally, it's like asking for something and then rejecting it. Like I asked for this. So, okay, let's, let's just see where it goes and then it might not work out for you or it does, you know, and then it takes you, that's the beautiful part about life. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, have you ever sort of taken opportunities that have, haven't worked out the way you want it? Yeah, I can't think of any off the, there's been millions of them, you know, um, yeah, yeah. but I, I, I do love to take opportunities. There's some that I thought about and decided not to. There's some that I, I, I jumped into and I think it's all in the bigger picture. I think what happened, what's happening today is because of things that I've done in the past. So everything right. is, you know, I guess it depends on everyone's definition of life and how it works. But yeah, I love to, when I see an opportunity, I like to jump in it. Cause I always think, I think I asked for this and I think this is what I need to be doing. Um, some opportunities have been great. I look back now and I'm like, holy crap, because I met this person back in 2009, it led to this. I can actually like link them. And isn't I'm like, that, isn't and that today, fantastic? It's great. You know, it's, it's so crazy. Like, okay. A small example is like when you and me met at the spoke club and now here we are doing this on Instagram live, just a easy example. Like we met online, we met in person and now here we are doing a video chat, you know, a year later, I think it's, it's been now. It's, it's been, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, no, it's been almost a year later and it's, but it's crazy to me thinking back on that now. And it's like, not knowing, like I got some really great advice, uh, from a friend a while ago where it was like, you know, sometimes you're going to get out of bed and you're not going to want to take that lunch. You're not going to want to take that dinner. You're not going to want to, you know, go out and, and, and meet whatever person or attend any event. But then, that small part of you inside that says, you know what, I should probably, I'm just going to go, I'm going to get up and go. You go meet this person for what may feel like, you know, a very short amount of time or long time and end up getting all these opportunities that build from that. Um, Totally. And that's what I think is very, is very interesting. Like I, um, you know, I, uh, I did this, I, I, I produced this film years ago, uh, didn't work out the way that I had wanted to, but at the same time, it was like, I had met, the person I had met, uh, one of the people I had met on that set ended up shooting, uh, ended up getting me all these producing opportunities. Uh, shout out to Julian Lamaga. Uh, and he ended up shooting my latest film pressure play. So like, how does that work? You know, like how does that, who would have ever thought that sort of thread would have come in? Um, but that's why I feel like I have a lot of FOMO. Yeah. I get a lot of FOMO from, uh, from different things. I hope you didn't, I hope you aren't going, Oh shoot. I wish I invested in Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't, I I had no idea what Bitcoin was until very recently. I don't know how that works. Well, dude, great example of FOMO. I just, um, so I bought a bit of gold, uh, months ago and I just sold it the other day and the stock went up like $2 and I would have made more money if I hadn't have sold. So my fear of missing out now is going, Oh my God, I want to buy back in. But usually now when you buy back in, it drops. Yeah. So yeah, I, just when you I, need it. I yeah. think a bit of all of us have that FOMO and I think it's kind of how we handle it. So I decided not to buy back in, you know, I said, maybe that's not the, um, I don't, you can't go with your emotions in this. You got to really think logically and think, uh, you know, analytically yeah. sometimes. Well, that's, and that's a, uh, I, I think a biggest fear for many in this industry is they sort of, they have a lot of good intentions, but they tend to act with their emotions or with their heart rather, rather than logically. And, you know, as much as I would, you know, love to sort of work on this thing with certain people, um, it may not necessarily be an advantageous opportunity for me going forward. Right. And so I think it's important to really think of not only your brand, but like, like we were saying before, like, what are you really in this for? What sort of films and what sort of stories are you trying to tell? Because if someone, you know, is pitching you a web series and it's, I don't know, shot all in the dark and it's silent. I don't know. Like it's, you know, and, and as, as interesting of a concept that that might be, does that actually adhere to why you make stories to begin with? Like, does that adhere to like what you're trying to do, you know, two, three, five years from now? Um, so I think it's important to think about that trajectory as well. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's like if if you're in film just to make money, yeah, I'll take any script, right? Oh, but now my career is going to do this because maybe I shouldn't have grabbed those scripts. If you're in this because you you have a certain thing, like for me and my mental health, I want to reach an audience. I want to give people hope. I want to have people feel good after seeing this. Uh, that's like my that's what I want to do for that. But then I also now want to merge into comedy, right? And I want to hit those, um, that target audience and, and just have my films exposed and seen and take it around school boards and institutions and do some talks. And I was grateful to do a talk earlier this year with unmasking. And that kind of gave me a high of like, I want to do this again with like a big group here, a big group there. And then I realized like, this is why I'm in this, you know, it, it's not so much the money it's at all, you know, I, in film, I haven't, I don't think I've made any money in film, but in, the commercial world. Yes. Which is linked with film, but yeah. you realize like, yeah, we're the money's great. It's going to be there. It will be there. It's, but we have other reasons why we're doing this, that when they happen, like when this audience saw the film and they, they started raising their hand, asked questions and they came up to me and told me about their own mental health. It was like, yeah. wow, this is why I'm doing this. Cool. You know? And, and that makes you feel good. And money wasn't involved at that point. There was no money. It was just words hearing mm -hmm. them right from their heart, you know? Well, at the end of the day, like, like you were saying before, these are all projects and like that talk, especially I'm glad you were able to do that because that's something that you do want to do. And maybe the purpose of, you know, what you and I make or whatever is, 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 is more educational. And, and, you know, that's what I slowly realized. Like when I, you know, coming back to cold hands for a second, it's like, you know, submitting to all these festivals, not really getting in, getting into a few, which were great. Uh, but then having these opportunities, like I had an opportunity to, um, I spoke at McGill university two years nice. ago and nice. it was like with a lecture of, I would say about a hundred and 200 people and they were all, uh, survivors of sexual assault. And so having wow. that ability to sort of stand in that room, present a film and talk about that was like one of the greatest things that I've ever done, you know, and it's, right. and, but, but those opportunities are going to come because that's what you're manifesting for your projects, right? You're manifesting it uh, and, and it's a sense of education and purpose. And, you know, sometimes those trails will trail off in a way that you didn't expect and you have to be open to that. For sure. You for know? sure. I love that. Yeah. Man. I love that. Very I'm going to awesome. get going on the next question. Otherwise I'll just keep talking and we're, oh, absolutely, we're yeah. we, I think we got about 15. So I want, I want to hear about your film festival, man. You got a film festival. Oh, thank you. Yes. Don't uh, tell everybody what, what is that? What's that thank about? Thank you. Uh, I, I am the co-founder and artistic director of the future film showcase. Uh, so we screen short films by, uh, uh, Canadian filmmakers aged 40 and younger. Uh, we have an incredible team working on it every year. And, uh, a lot of the times, uh, the teams change, the team changes changes year to year. Uh, it's most certainly has from when we started. Um, but it's basically a festival that like showcases all of the emerging, uh, and early career works from, from, uh, Canadian filmmakers. And, uh, we have it every year at the Scotiabank theater in Toronto. Um, you know, obviously this year we aren't able to, uh, have it in May, given everything going on. Uh, but we are going to have something, uh, we are taking part in uh, Canadian Film Day next week. Uh, we're going to be featuring, you know, a select few short films on our website uh, that people can go and they can watch uh, films that we've programmed in the past years. Uh, you can watch a pre-recorded <clears throat> Q and A with our programmers at Goldkind and the uh, the filmmakers. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's we're going into our seventh year, which is pretty wow. insane to think it's about. Successful, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. How often are you working on this festival every year? Is it a few months or is it uh, an hour a week? How was the schedule like for you? Me every day. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, well, it's 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 kind of it's a it's a huge undertaking in a way. Uh, it's it's you're you're uh, you're you want people to sort of believe in your organization and your work and um, sort of you know every day. I think we're doing a little bit of work on it, but I think the the prep for the event is certainly the most. Uh, uh, I guess the most sort of vigorous, uh, about three to four months away from the date. Uh, so right now, you know, if, you know, COVID wasn't happening and it was just a regular system, we'd be, we'd be working, uh, almost okay. every day on it. Yeah. Okay. It'd be Hopefully intense. when it's over, you can get back to it and it's just gonna, you know, Absolutely. who knows what's going to happen with every industry after this, but yeah, hopefully yeah. it's, it's smooth. Absolutely. But I mean, we've been, we've been working hard at it. We have some events coming Good. up, uh, Canadian film day next week. Uh, so cool. yeah. Well, the that. beautiful part with a film festival is like I, you can go online too, right? So with uh, with the economy yeah. kind of in in the 
in the gutter right now, you could still do it on, you could still technically have the film festival, not in theaters, but online. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. That's kind of, it's, it's almost like yeah. a, a, a recession proof uh, business you got. Cause you can still work with your people. You can do zoom calls, video chats, and you can still yeah. have a film festival. People can still submit films. It might be harder yeah. to film movies unless they shot them last year, but yeah, um, yeah it's a good little yeah. backup thing to have. Do you have mm-hmm. any other side hustles? Do you have any other jobs or, or is it primarily just in like film TV that you work in? Like what's mm-hmm. your day to day usually look like? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's kind of, isn't that like the number one question? Because I mean, everybody's sort of wondering, you know, like how, how are you able to do freelance filmmaking and still, uh, have a life for yourself? Right. And, and so it's like, you know, <laughs> Eileen is saying, thank goodness for the internet. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, but it's, but it's sort of like this, uh, this huge challenge. And so I do, I do have part-time jobs as I'm sure, uh, a lot of people in this industry do kind of doing these random jobs here and there. Um, but fun fact, I actually do, uh, teach swimming. I work with kids. That's right. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and a swim instructor. Yeah. Cool. Is that, is, are you laid off right now for that? Or yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't worked since I would say December, but that's because, uh, from January to March, I was doing this feature. Uh, but then now with COVID it's this, the school is probably going to be closed until the summer. Uh, but I feel like working with kids has always been sort of like a really, um, hidden love for me or almost like a hidden gem because kids have this sort of innocence in them that you wouldn't, uh, you, you wouldn't often expect. And it's sort of like, you know, going day to day and, uh, telling them what you do and them telling you about your day, you get to sort of, uh, it almost, it's almost like I get to ground myself every time I see these kids, I sort of like come back down and sort of like, you know, ground myself and think about, you know, where I am, what I'm doing. And I sort of restart. I have like a little restart every time. Uh, and, and it's also doing a job outside of the industry is also great because it, it comes as a form of escapism, you know? Um, I, I mean, I do film every single day. I'm always immersed in it, but it's, it's, it's quite nice to do something different, you know? Awesome. Have you written something in your, your line of work, uh, uh, as a, Swim instructor. I have. Do you have a short film? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. It's called. Uh, it's called the Shallow End. Uh, it was one of my first. Yeah, it was one of my first that I made. Um, and the Shallow End is about a swim instructor whose uh, kid almost drowns in his class, and so he uh, he's dealing with uh, sort of the repercussions of that and the PTSD. Uh, we actually, strangely enough, we did get uh, distribution for that. Um, oh. but, uh, we, yeah, it was weird. It was, it was available on, it was available on Amazon, uh, and we're, we're going to be, you know, properly promoting that soon. But, uh, but yes, short answer. Yes. It was the, the shallow end. Yeah. That, that's a short you wrote or a feature? Uh, that, that is a short, a short, a short. Cool. Yeah. Well, how, yeah. how many pages? Like 10 to 15? Uh, the script is, uh, I think it was about like 12 pages. Yeah. 12 pages. Are your shorts generally um, in that range, 12 to 15 page or? I, I mean, I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing a lot right now. Um, I'm writing a lot right now. And one of them is, uh, is sort of one that I've been working on for just over a year. Uh, and that's become, that started off as like similar to what I was saying before about how my stories are always so long. Uh, the first draft of the script was like 32 pages. <laughs> it's just, it's oh, crazy. Yeah. But it's, like a Tarantino first draft, four hours but, long. Well, it's a, well, it's a vomit. It's a vomit draft that's why that's what i like to call it it's like a first draft that you sort of you're just putting everything into you know yeah but it is it is available on amazon in the states actually quite quite funny enough it is it is pretty cool i remember dude i I have a very vivid memory of when i was in uh, swimming class and i was too afraid to dive so they got me to like they got me to like go on the ledge and drop in just drop like that I, I hate, and to this day, I don't, I don't dive today because water just gets up my nose and it freaking hurts, man. I need yeah. one of those things that like closes your nose. I even blow out when I go in the water and it still gets in there. Well, I'm not gonna, I don't know if I should demonstrate on, on Instagram live, but what you're supposed <laughs> to do is like, you sort of get up and you take a deep breath, right? And you're sort of releasing your air as you dive into the water. So that way you aren't sucking anything I'm in. doing I'm doing it all wrong you know? can you go fill your bathtub and just show I'm me an go, example I'm gonna do that maybe we'll have yeah. we'll have an after eight uh an after yeah, we'll, eight we'll do a whole other video chat session. on teaching me to dive <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely um, I, I was yeah. gonna ask what what are your what are your biggest fears as a filmmaker that's a deep uh, question 
biggest fears is the reception to because because I, I tend to write from personal experience because that's where I feel like the most honest storytelling comes from and the biggest one of the biggest fears I have is reception towards work that I've written that is so personal uh, when cold hands came out and where people were uh, sort of like you know receiving it and and watching it and maybe not watching it uh, that reception at the time was very sort of uplifting but at the same time and I know that a lot of it was also constructive. But it's sort of hard to see that when you've spent so much time and energy in one project. And so something I've learned from there to sort of get that fear and not minimize it to acknowledge it's there. Uh, but at the same time, as long as I'm happy with the work that I've made and I'm, I'm sort of satisfied and that's all that really matters. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, that, that's one of them. Uh, another fear is uh, funding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As I'm sure it is for many. Don't we all? Um, but do, freelance do ever, filmmaking. Yeah, I have a I have a fear that I'll I'll admit. Um, hi, my name is Rob, and I have a fear in filmmaking. Um, it's like <laughs> it's more about the inner work as well. It has nothing to do yeah. with film sets. Yeah. So my fear is everything going to shit. It's the main actor not showing up on, on the day of it's I have a big commercial booked and something happened. The rain came and my insurance won't cover, you know? So I have fears of like worry and that runs in, that's been in my childhood as I grew up, fear of anxiety, fear of the future. Right. And so I know that that's the inner work that I work on all the time. And my girlfriend's really good. And she says like, what's the worst that can happen? And then I say it and then, and then it's like, Oh, that's not that bad. Then, you know, things could be worse as long as you have things um, prepared and you have insurance and whatnot, everything will be okay. But I do worry a lot about when I have a big set to, you know, not even a big set, but if I have a, a three day shoot with, 10 actors and in a decent crew, it's like, okay, there's a lot on my plate right now, you know? Um, so it's kind of like, what can I do in the future to prevent this worry that's building up the night before I could hire a few producers to take care of everything. Perfect. Now I don't have to deal with that. I can just focus on the story, right? Or I can just focus on this thing that I'm good at. So I'm trying to eliminate the things that I'm not that great at or that I worry about and just focus on the things that I enjoy and that I like to do. Well, that's interesting because I feel like, especially with funding and, and I, I think we're, are we running out of time now? I think we're running close to... Yeah, we might have a few minutes left. So if you want to say minutes. anything, um, yeah, I was up. just going to say, sort of to wrap up, it's like coming back to fear of fi financing and funding. Um, the director of, uh, I, I, his name is slipping my mind right now, the director of Her Smell uh, said something really interesting on a podcast where it's like you start off at $10,000 for a budget and you're like, oh, wow, that's like, okay, this is how much I have. Like, it's not that much, you know, let's try to make it work. But then you move to like 20,000 and you're like, oh my God, now I can have like, <laughs> Swiss cheese, and then you yeah. move to like hundred and uh, I would the, the budget for this feature hundred and you know sixty seventy thousand dollars, and it's like oh my god, now I can have like Swiss cheese with like maybe some like cracked pepper or lobster gouda. for dinner, gouda cheese. I could have lobster yeah. for dinner. That's the way it works. <laughs> but yeah. but it's but it's 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 interesting to go through all those levels, and so like to have fear of financing, I think is, 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 is absolutely necessary, but at the same time, working with what you have in the best way that you can, because then when you get more, there will always be more fears and more yeah. challenges that come with yeah. more money. Right. I read an article saying that startup companies are getting too much funding and it, uh, it's crazy to think that it's like, there's, yeah. and I'm talking about like in Silicon Valley, like they're getting, they're, oh. they're being funded too much money. And yeah. it's like, okay, you can probably agree that when you have a film and you have no money, you have to get creative, right? You have to figure yes. out, I can't do this shot because I don't have $20,000 for this crazy robotic arm to come on set. But yeah. because we have a hundred bucks, why don't we do this? And you, you get creative and you do it. Now imagine you're just given a bunch of money and you can make a film that might technically look amazing because you have all this money, but maybe the story's lacking. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's what people are going to gravitate towards, right? That's what people are going to remember. It's, it's the story. And like, like you mentioned, as, as much as, you know, as much as the technical achievements are, are rewarded and, um, and everything, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, what's most important at, at, at the core is that you have a story that people will remember and will gravitate towards and, and, uh, will be enthused by. For sure. Story is, uh, most important, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming out, Rob. I really appreciate it, and thanks for thanks for chatting with us. I know how busy you are, and uh, and you know making making these schedules work can be a little tricky sometimes. Uh, but thank you for making it work. 
Yeah, same to you, Eric. Thanks so much. It's been a good hour of chatting about film and uh, kind of the life we are living in right now, this new uh, this new normal, this new world we're going to have to adapt to. So it's going to be an interesting um, rest of the year and um, an interesting uh, take on what the what it might bring to the industry. So it's been nice chatting with you. Exactly. And and before we and before we hop off, just I guess one one last note. Um, how are you making this year your year? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think I mentioned this earlier in our talk, but uh, my creative drive at the beginning kind of um, went down a little. So I kind of knew that it might, you know, it's just a temporary thing where I'm not really feeling it right now. I'm not really feeling the the creative juices. Um, it's come and gone, you know, it comes and goes. And so I've been doing a lot of learning this during this time. And it's been awesome, very productive, learning a lot of new things, um, possibly a new career path to um, apply to my lifestyle uh, while I maintain, you know, running my video production company, doing commercials, doing films on the side. I love doing that stuff. And I, you know, once this is all over, I'm sure it'll all come back. It's in my blood, right? So it's going to be something that I'll be uh, carrying with me. But because of, you know, these current times, it's been um, a, a great experience to be learning something new that I might apply for uh, the rest of my life, which is, you know, something I wouldn't have done if COVID didn't happen. So I am grateful for that. Um, and, uh, you know, the creative juices are still there. Like I said, they're lingering. They'll, they'll come back even stronger and I'll be creating some new content. I've, uh, I've been thinking of some new ideas already. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of time when, uh, things get back and we can be back in the productions. It's fantastic, man. Well, you know what? As soon as as soon as we can, as soon as this whole thing is over, I'd love to, you know, see you in person and and uh, you know catch up, have a have a great big uh, great big hug. <laughs> yeah, dude. Warm weather's gonna be here soon. We're gonna be outside enjoying the sunshine, get that vitamin D, get the positivity, and uh, have some happiness and some joyful moments for sure. That'd be great, man. It'd be nice to catch up. Absolutely, dude. Thank you so much, Rob. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Take care. <laughs>